late breaking story on the CBC. A nation whispers we always knew he'd go free. They add you can't be fond of living in the that, of course, is the tragically hip song Wheat Kings. And that line, late breaking story on the CBC, a nation whispers. We always knew that he'd go free. According to Gord Downey, that song is, quote, about David Milgard and his faith in himself and about his mother, Joyce, and her absolute faith in her son's innocence. Did you know that that was what that song was about, what that line is about? Well, David Milgard, who spent 23 years in prison for a 1969 murder he did not commit, died in Calgary early Sunday morning. He was 69. In May of 1969, Mr. Milgard was arrested at the age of 16 for the homicide of nursing assistant Gail Miller, who was sexually assaulted and killed on her way to work in Saskatoon and left in a snowbank. Mr. Milgard was convicted of that crime in 1970. It wasn't until 1992, after his mother, Joy, spent decades working relentlessly to win his freedom, that he was released from prison on parole. And subsequent DNA tests formally exonerated Mr. Milgard in 1997 and proved that serial rapist Larry Fisher had killed Gail Miller. But Mr. Milgard, after he was released from prison, went on to become a justice advocate. And he worked alongside my next guest, Ron Dalton, co-president of Innocence Canada. Ron, welcome to the program. Thank you. Could you tell me about Mr. Milgard's later life, what what he was like as he got out of prison and how he dedicated his life to helping others wrongly, wrongfully convicted? Well, David was a, an exceptionally generous and sweet man. Like he couldn't say no to anyone. And David was being released from prison about the time I was going into prison. I didn't meet him until about 10 years later. I met his mother first and then I met him and, and spent a lot of time with him, increasing amounts of time over the years, particularly in the last couple of years, we've been joining hands and fighting for the creation of an independent, publicly funded body to do the type of work that Innocence Canada is doing on a non-profit volunteer basis. But David uh, uh, went through hell and back. You know, he, he, uh, I've heard him speak on a number of occasions, and he always describes prison as a horrible place. And he's right. And in his case, he, he was in twice as long as I was and under more difficult circumstances. That was a very vicious, uh, sexually based crime that, that happened. He had no part in it, but he wore that for the 23 years that he was was in prison. And that was a very difficult time for him. So he, uh, he suffered a lot. He had every right to walk away from wrongful convictions and, and the troubles of others when his own name was cleared and, and go and have a life for himself and spend more time with his family. And uh, he tried to do all of those things, but he always kept looking over his shoulder, knowing there was people like myself and, and others left behind. And David often quoted his mother as, as having told him that you can't do nothing if there's something that you can do. If there was anything David could do to help, uh, he would. And people uh, would go around the formal organizations, they wouldn't apply to the criminal case review group in, in the Department of Justice in Ottawa. They wouldn't always apply to Innocence Canada. They would go directly to David to get their cases moving. And uh, and David 
would produce results. He would come through for people. It was and, the it was uh, the weight not, of his only, name. Not only responded well, he not only responded to uh, requests from people that had been in similar circumstances that that he had been in, but he would act proactively, go out and reach out to people if he heard of an injustice that he thought he could do something about. And that wasn't restricted strictly to our country. That was where he predominantly practiced his uh, his generosity. But he did some international work as well. I mean, he he donated fifty thousand dollars to Romanian. Uh, orphanages, you know, 20 years ago when they had a revolution over there, and then he went to Romania for six months to uh, see if he could help out and see what they were doing with his money, and he just had that generous giving spirit in him. When you when you think of David, and my condolences on, on his passing, there, there, there are going to be t- a couple of narratives. There are going to be the narrative, obviously, about the, the years that he spent in jail for the wrongful conviction and what it meant to this country and what it meant for an eye-opener, I think, for a lot of us about how the justice system actually worked, but then also the second chapter. Um, could you talk about his sense of joy at all I, I, and what he was like um, out of prison? I've, I've had the... Uh the honour of meeting most of the wrongly convicted uh, people in this country that have been exonerated. And uh, uh, people often describe us collectively as a group as having a permanent loss of joy. You know, our lives are never the same after what we've gone through, being accused and convicted of something that you haven't done. And in many cases, like David's, the actual perpetrator is, is allowed to run amok for 30 years, and terrible injustice and the suffering that he went through. But he never quite lost that, that sense of joy. Uh, we were at a retreat uh, cabin in the woods uh, up near Algonquin Park a few years back, and uh, there was a dozen or so of us, and, and we had organized uh, a couple of vans to pick people up from across the country at the airport in Toronto. I happened to be driving one that David was in, and as soon as we pulled into the, the woods and, and parked at this location, you know, the vehicle was barely stopped, and the side door of the van was open. David was running down over the hill out to the end of the dock that jutted out into the lake that was there and jumped in fully clothed. And and, and it was kind of typical of David because he didn't know how deep that lake was. He didn't know what he was jumping into, what might be there. And, and he had that kind of joie de vivre about him sometimes. You know, he could be almost childlike. Uh, not that he was uh, simple by any, any stretch of the imagination, but he would... Uh, uh, take the bull by the horn sometimes and just leap in and try and work his way through things after the fact. And he did that quite often when we were working on cases. Somebody came to him in need. David would say, yes, I'll help you, and then try and figure out how after the fact. But he never turned his back on, on those that were, were left behind. He was uh, certainly a, a true friend. Uh, it's a loss, obviously, personally for myself and others who knew him and, and loved him, but it's a loss for the innocence movement and the country as a whole. David uh, literally moved the needle in the justice system in this country, he and, and his mother, over the 30 years uh, that, that he was working on cases after he got out, he managed to make a difference. There was a time when David's case happened that we thought that was an aberration. It was a one-off. These things don't happen very often. And before David, the Donald Marshall case, same thing. Everybody thought that was just a strange quirk that happened. But we now know it happens with some saddened uh, reality. These things happen frequently. Justice system is made of human beings, and human beings make mistakes. And and David uh, was well aware of that, but uh, kept reminding everyone else. So now when Innocence Canada walks into a courtroom, 
with a claim of innocence for someone like David, uh, uh, they take a little more notice than they used to 30 years ago. We've been doing this work for 30 years, but uh, David and Joyce were doing it even earlier, Joyce in particular, and then David when he got out. Ron, I thank you so much for your time today and for telling us some stories. I very much appreciate it. Thank you again. You're welcome. That is Ron Dalton, co-president of Innocence Canada, speaking of the pa- about the passing of his colleague and friend, David Milgard, who passed away on Sunday at the age of 69.